a donut made with rum, a floating saint, and cocktails on the rocks. Literally, real rocks. This week, we're in Rovine, Croatia. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. I'm Brent Peterson. Every week I explore things to eat and drink and places to explore in some of the world's great foodie cities. This week we're in one of my all-time favorite places, Rovine, Croatia. Rovine is on a little peninsula called Istria in Croatia, very close to northeast Italy. And I had one of my top 10 meals of all time in Rovine. And author Rick Kempfer has just returned from a trip there with his wife and some other friends. So we'll get his take on the city, as well as the psychological turmoil I went through as he planned his trip. But first... Let me remind you to visit Destination Eat Drinks website. We talk a lot about Rovine in the podcast, but couldn't possibly cover everything. At DestinationEatDrink.com, you can check out the entire foodie travel guide to Rovine, as well as the hill towns of the interior of Istria and dozens of other foodie destinations. You can also get links to every podcast episode of Destination Eat Drink, including episode one, where I talk about some of the towns in the interior of Istria, like Motovan, Mom Jam, and Hum. That's all at DestinationEatDrink.com. Okay, enough of that. Let's get to the eating, because I'm starving. Destination Eat Drink. With me today is Rick Kempfer of Eckhart's Press. Rick is a publisher, an author, and a host of two podcasts. Rick has written seven books. His latest book is called Every Cub Ever. It chronicles every single person who's ever played for the Chicago Cubs. And Rick is also the co-owner of Eckhart's Press, a publishing company that I should say published my first novel, Truffle Hunt, in 2015. Rick hosts two podcasts, one with uh, his partner, Dave Stern. and His business partner. His business partner. Let's make that clear. His business partner, Dave Stern. (laughs) And uh, it is called Minutia Men. It is very, very funny. It's one of my favorite podcasts. He also hosts a podcast called Free Kicks with Adam, what's Adam's last Howarth. name? With Adam Howarth, and it's about the English Premier League Soccer League. Correct. Rick, welcome to Destination Eat Drink. Well, thanks. One of my favorite podcasts. Rick, you actually have the honor of being a second-time guest on Destination Eat Drink, the only person who's ever been on the podcast wow. more than once. If you want to hear about Rick talking about Ljubljana, Slovenia, one of my favorite places, Rick talks about how much he loved the food there. That's episode 29 of Destination Eat Drink, and you can get that by going to Destination Eat Drink and clicking on the podcast tab. So Rick, thanks for uh, thanks for being here. Uh, happy to be here. I'm glad to be here in your uh, in your studio. You have we're in suburban Chicago. You have a studio that you've built just for podcasts, yeah. which is pretty special. <laughs> That's I think. right. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's my podcasting headquarters. My podcasting headquarters, uh, international podcasting headquarters, worldwide yes. podcasting. What I want to talk about first is you were in, we're talking about Rovine today, and Rovine is in 
Istria, Croatia. Um, and a lot of people don't know where Rovine or even where Istria, Croatia is. But if you imagine Italy, if you go to the east of Italy, the northeast, if you know where Venice is, just over the Adriatic Sea, there's a little peninsula that sticks into the Adriatic Sea. That's Istria. Rovine is on the water in Istria. It's a beautiful little town and picturesque and quaint. But what, before we get into Rovine, which has great food, great drink, and is really a, a cute, adorable place to visit, I want to talk about your history with Croatia because you and I have a sort of parallel and shared history with Croatia. I was there with my girlfriend Karen in 2011. And when we came back, we visited Rovine. We also visited the interior of Croatia. And when I was coming back, I had a spark of an idea of a story that I wanted to tell about Croatia. And I thought, this story would make a great book. <laughs> I'd never written a book before. So I picked up the phone and I called the only person who I knew on the planet who had ever written a book before. And that was you. <laughs> and I said, Rick, I have this idea for a book. What should I do? And your advice was, well, write it. Yeah. Simple <laughs> advice. Yeah. That's my advice always. <laughs> and I said, oh, that's all I have to do? <laughs> so I sat down and I, and I banged out the first draft in about 13 weeks because um, it was winter and I didn't have much else to do. So I banged out that first draft and I sent it over to you. And you were like, yeah, pretty good. Keep writing. So I was writing this book. Your publishing company was, we were going back and forth. We were uh, playing with the draft and changing it and yeah. doing various things with it. And during that time, about a two-year period, you told me at one point, hey, uh, this is 2013 now. Hey, um, me and some of my buddies are, were inspired by your book. We're going to Croatia for a, a big birthday celebration. Right. And... I said, oh, great. Are you going to Istria? And you said, no, we're going to Dubrovnik. And I said, oh, well, thanks for inviting me. But yeah, have fun. <laughs> so, so you guys go. Because you don't travel enough. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys go to Croatia. You come back and I'm all excited. I'm like, Rick, <laughs> how'd you like Croatia? And you said. Well, all right. So I didn't love it. I didn't love Dubrovnik. I, I thought, you know, it was. And it was a beautiful city. Don't get me wrong. And I, you know, we had some great food there and everything. But I thought the people were very, I don't know, rude. Uh, and and I thought that they were uh, like. It, I'll tell you the truth. By the end of the the week we were there, I was paying people five krona to smile because <laughs> I didn't see any smiles the whole week. And I'm like, what in the world is wrong with these people? Why are they so angry all the time? Right. And it was a very Slavic sort of thing, you know. And yeah. and I, I don't think they hated us because we were Americans, because I don't think they really hate Americans, to be honest with you. No. Um, so I, I just, I just, I think they were tourist. It's a tourist town, and they're just burnt out on tourists. They're over it. I think that's right. And you know, they just want to live their lives. 
And as a side note, since then, that's 2013, that's six years ago. Since then, Dubrovnik has been inundated even more so because of Game of Thrones with tourists. So it's probably 100 times worse. I think that's probably true. So you come back from Croatia, and I'm all excited. I'm like, Rick, how'd you like Croatia? And you're like, I didn't really like it. And I was, I don't think I, I told you this. But I was literally deflated. Oh, I'm, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm pumping up Croatia so much, <laughs> and I'm writing this book about Croatia. Yeah. And Rick comes to me. He's like, ah, I wasn't that great, didn't. Well, write. I will tell you this: the the book still made me want to go to Croatia because you did a great job of pitching Croatia. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks. So, so anyway, um, several uh, the book gets published in 2015. Yeah. And. Um, so thank you to you and sure, Dave for uh, for publishing the book, and you know it was it was still great one fun. of my favorites, and I love doing it, yeah. and it was a lot of fun. So, flash forward about maybe a year and a half ago, we were talking, and you said, "Oh, guess what? We're going back to Croatia." <laughs> because what I had said was, when you initially came back and told me you didn't like Croatia, my defense shield went up, and I said. Oh well, you didn't go to Istria. That's so, right. So you haven't seen Croatia yet. <laughs> That's you right. Know. But meanwhile, I'm thinking in my head, well, at least he hasn't been to Istria, so <laughs> he doesn't like it. It doesn't matter, you know. It doesn't reflect poorly on me. Uh huh. But then you, you, we were talking, and you said, "Oh, me and Bridget and a couple other couples, we're going back to Croatia, and this time we're going to Istria." Yes. And I felt this pit in my stomach. <laughs> I could tell. I could tell that you felt that way. Not only did we go to to Istria, I made everybody going on this trip read your book. <laughs> so, so it, it won't just be you. No. <laughs> It'll be if I disappoint them. I'm disappointing. <laughs> Everybody and and I believe I mentioned to you how much it cost and that we're putting the <laughs> money on the line and you better be right about this. <laughs> so you had told me this maybe I don't know four or five months before you even left. Right. So I had this whole process. <laughs> I had literally put the date you were leaving in my calendar so I would know. Oh my god, that's funny. <laughs> he's he's leaving, and so I had this whole buildup of several yeah. weeks where I'm like, oh no, this is go- <laughs> this better go well. <laughs> god, that's funny. I was just kidding, you know. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so. You go to Rovine. Well, yeah. you went on a you went on a big trip. You yeah. you went to Austria. You went to Ljubljana, which we talked about right. before, and you went to Istria. So, yes. tell us. I loved Istria. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I think I was even texting you or sending you pictures from yes. Rovine when we were there. It's beautiful. It is a beautiful little town, uh, right on the water, and so. First of all, you get the picturesque scene, yeah. right? And you were talking about how close it is to Venice. You can actually see Venice on some days when the weather is very clear. It's that close to Venice. It's a two-hour boat ride across the Adriatic. Yeah, so that's a good tip. If people are in Venice, if you're planning a trip to Italy, everyone goes to Venice, yes. But um, you can take a ferry from Venice, and yeah. in a couple hours you can be in Rovine. And if you're not planning a Croatia trip, that's okay, but I would suggest at least do do the ferry ride over there and spend two days. Yeah, just spend two days in Rovine. But for me, Rovine is worth uh, you know five days. We were easily. there three days, and we were sad when we left. Yeah, that's how much we enjoyed it. So you get to Rovine. Your first impression is apparently this is beautiful. Yeah, it reminded me of Italy. 
Yes. That's what it looks like to me. Ravine looks like Italy. And that's not by accident. Yeah. You know, Ravine, all of Istria, and a lot of Croatia was part of the Venetian Empire for right. 500 years, you know? <laughs> right. So you can see vestiges of that everywhere. And what a lot of people say is um, going to Istria is like going to Tuscany 40 years ago. In some ways, that's kind of true because the prices are cheaper. Yeah. It's a fantastic wine-growing region. Yeah. It's renowned for its olive oil, and it's known for truffles. It is. Three things that uh, Tuscany is also known for. Yeah. And you, you don't, I mean, it's not cheap, but it's not an arm and a leg like if you go to Tuscany. I actually think it is cheap. Uh, you know, I, I, we were uh, we were staying in a VRBO place, mm -hmm. you know, and for the three days it was not much at all you know i mean we're on the beach basically yeah yeah it's a beautiful beach yeah um and the the downtown the old square there yeah is very picturesque you, you know from the from the water and from the land you know it it is it's absolutely gorgeous and I'm not a big Instagram person, but for people who are looking for those Instagram moments, yeah. Rovine is the place to be because there are tons of places where you can get amazing pictures. Well, the sun sets right over the water, yeah. right? Because you're, you're facing west, and it is just spectacular. So let's talk about the sunset because that's one of the big things about going to Rovine yeah. is you've got that you're, you're, you're facing west towards the Adriatic. You're, right. you're looking towards Italy. You can't, well, you mentioned you can see Venice. That's looking north. But you can't, you know, so you get these beautiful sunsets, picturesque of the sun just kind of plopping into right. the Adriatic. Yeah. Any particular place that you went to that you thought this is the perfect spot for watching the sunset? Uh, you know, they were all, it's all good. Uh, we, we, we actually went on a boat ride one night and we at, were on the Adriatic while the sun went down and that was spectacular. Another night we had dinner at a restaurant right along the little uh, bay there um, and watched the sun go down and that was spectacular. Uh, we were on a hill a little bit in the, in the marketplace. We were up a hill a little bit and from uh, the rooftop of our building, oh, nice. the sunset was spectacular. I mean, really. You can't go wrong. Right, because uh, Rovine is basically an island. You know, there's yeah. a causeway that, that takes you out there, but it's basically an island, so there's lots of great spots to um, watch the sunset. One place that I would recommend is a place called uh, Valentino's, and you're basically on the... Uh, you. They give you a cushion. They basically oh, okay. hand you a cushion, and you sit on the rocks. Oh, yes, we went to that place. Okay, you went to Valentino's. Yes, we did. Yeah. We had a drink there. I mean, yeah. we didn't eat there, but yeah. Exactly. You have yeah. a drink, yeah. and you watch the sunset. Yeah. Great place, right? That was awesome. Yeah. So the thing about Valentino's and a lot of these places is um, in Rovine, it's very seasonal, okay? Yeah. So spring, summer, and a little bit into fall. Once you get into winter, it starts to close down a little bit. And I think Valentino's is only open seasonally. So if you were to go now, it may not, it may or may not be open, but Valentino's is a good place to recommend. The other thing that I want to bring up about Rovine is that occasionally I didn't have this experience. I found the people in Rovine to be extraordinarily warm and friendly, but occasionally you will run into, um, 
because it's a seasonal tourist place in some, you will run into some uh, service people who can be a little bit uh, gruff or, okay. or rude, if, if you will. And you'll see people complain about that a little bit. I didn't experience I, it. I didn't either, actually. So, and I did experience it in Dubrovnik. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So when you went to uh, Valentino's, what kind of uh, what kind of drink would you have? A cocktail, a glass of wine? What? I'm a I'm a Scotch guy, so you know they 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 had a great that, menu. That traditional Croatian Scotch. <laughs> I know, I know. But you know, I also had we had shots, uh, you know, of the of the grappa and the what what was the other the fire water. Rakia. Rakia, we had some of that. Yeah. So we we did that wherever we went. Right, uh, right. Because because we were on vacation. Sure, of course. So, I also am a beer drinker. Uh, the Ozhushko, I think it's. <laughs> I think that's how you pronounce the beer there. Okay, is that the brand? That's the brand. Okay, I didn't have that. So yeah. um, that was good. Okay, and what is that like a lager? It's a lager. Okay, yeah. very good. Good drinking beer. Excellent. For watching sunsets. Right, exactly. <laughs> and all, all kinds of uh, physical activities like that. So Valentino's is a recommendation. You mentioned uh, Rakia and Grappa. So I think we should we should talk about the difference because you'll see both of those in Istria. And Rakia is a more Eastern, so it's a more Slavic drink. So you'll see it. You see it in Croatia. You'll also see it in Serbia. You'll see it in Bulgaria, places like that. Grappa is an Italian drink. Right. And they're very similar because what they are is they're distilled mash from the winemaking process. So you got your grapes, you smash them, you extract the juice. What's left behind is the seeds, the skins, the stems. You take that and you use that as your mash to run it through the distiller. And that's what you get out the other side. You know where I saw this described perfectly is in this uh, book called Truffle Hunt, <laughs> which uh, people should check out because that uh, process is described beautifully in there. <laughs> and, and and where can you get that? I believe truffle? it's at EckhartsPress.com. <laughs> very good. So um, Grappa and Rakia are both very similar in, in how they're made. The difference I find is that uh, Grappa tends to be just the straight distill. Okay. okay. You generally, and someone can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but my experience has been you generally don't see any uh, alteration to the grappa, whereas rakia can be f more flavored. So you might see like juniper grappia, yeah. or it might be uh, mixed with some brandy. So you might get like a plum or a pear. Those are very popular, a plum or a pear. But the thing that I like most about the grappa and the rakia in Croatia is that you go into a restaurant and at the end of the meal, an unlabeled bottle just appears <laughs> on your table. And you're like, didn't order it. <laughs> and, and I don't know what it is because there's no label on it, <laughs> but it ain't water. Well, we went to, you know, we we'll probably talk about this in a bit, but we went to the restaurant that you recommended to us. And at the end of the meal, they gave us four bottles with no Because you had six people. It. Yes. <laughs> no, yes, exactly. And, and uh, each of them had different flavors and different colors. Like there was an orange one. Right. And, a, and, and so, of course, we had to try them all. Uh, but they just left us the bottles, and they just charged us one charge. Right. If we had had only one sip, it would have been the same thing. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you might as well drink it. So, yeah, you're paying for it. <laughs> might as well take advantage. Yeah. So what Rick is speaking about is um, my favorite, my top number one recommendation in Rovine is for restaurant basket. 
B-O-S-K-E-T, I believe is the spelling of it. And it's not in the old town. It's a it's a short walk yeah, from, from the about a ten minute walk. Ten minute walk. Easy, 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 easy little walk. Um we were recommended that place by our B and B, the guy who owns our B and B. And we went there and just had Karen and I still talk about this meal because it was one of the all-time great spectacular meals we've yeah. ever had. And the staff was just so friendly. We made friends with the waitress. We ended up going there the next night and we ended up walking her home because it was very late at night and we closed and we closed the place. Um, not that it's dangerous in Rovine, but no, you know, we were just we were just walking her home. So anyway, uh, restaurant Basquet, I loved it so much that I transplanted it from Rovine to interior Istria for my book, Truffle Hunt. And one of the restaurants in there that um, Patrick sells truffles to is actually based on restaurant uh, Basquet. Now I got to go back and read it again. Yeah. So reread, maybe order another copy. Yeah, I probably should. Yeah. Talk about that restaurant itself. Like what was your meal like? What did you have? What, what was the atmosphere like? I don't remember what we had, uh, but I remember that we were sharing, you know, so there were six of, no, there were eight of us because the kids of one of the couples came, adult children. So there were eight of us at this table and, uh, you know, I think I, I had some sort of seafood dish. I, I was eating seafood the whole time there because, yes. you know, it's fantastic. The seafood is amazing. And Restaurant Basquet is famous for their seafood. Yeah. Oh, it's good. And But, you know, the pasta was great. It had uh, an Italian vibe to it. Um, and then uh, we, we switched off. Each person gave us like some mussels and some, you know, just fabulous. And like you said, the service, we actually had the owner... Uh, watching us we were the only ones there because we got there late so it was like the last we we're the last table of the night so he and his buddy were sitting at a table right next to us just pounding the grappa <laughs> just pounding it and so he was feeling no pain yeah. and he kept coming over to us and you He's know filling our, oh my god he was in a great and the wine was f- fabulous and that was the only place really where i drank wine i'm not a big wine drinker I enjoy wine, but it's not something I order usually. Um, and I had my my fair share that night. That's right. what I remember. I remember I needed that walk home, <laughs> basically. <laughs> the um, and the wine in Croatia. There is there is a wine region in Istria. There's a wine region in Slovenia as well. And I think the wine is really underrated in this area, and simply because they don't produce a whole lot of it. And it doesn't get outside of uh, Croatia or maybe the EU. We don't often see, Cro- right. you, you know, you don't go into your wine shop and go, where's the Croatian yeah, wine? Yeah, go, go to Benny's and ask for the Croatia section. <laughs> There's no such thing. It doesn't exist. Yeah. But it's good. And again, comparing Istria to Tuscany, I think it's kind of like uh, Tuscan wines in the 70s where it's more of a rustic. You know, you're not going to yeah. get these refined French type wines. It's more of a rustic wine, which for me goes great with food yeah so you have a meal you have some wine it's a beautiful thing and then the bottle appears on your table at the end of the meal do you remember any of the particular flavors that you had of these bottles that uh, magically appeared on your table well i remember one was orange yeah and uh that was not my favorite i i enjoyed the uh juniper okay that was delicious there was a uh, plum, right? 
which was fabulous. Very popular. And I forget what the fourth one was. That's okay. So once you're drinking the grappa, do you really remember what the flavors <laughs> does are? Does it matter yeah. after the fourth it one? It really doesn't, no. <laughs> Very good. But I did try all four. Yeah. Because I was being hospitable. Well, and you also knew that you were going to come back and do this episode and you know you obviously took uh, very diligent notes because you can't remember the names of any of them <laughs> well you know i plead grappa <laughs> it's very good so when you get into ravine the first thing you see you can see it from miles away is this church because it's an island and yes. so there's a hill right in the middle of ravine and on top of it is the church of saint uh, Euphemia. I think that's how you pr- pronounce it. Euphemia. Uh, E-U-P-H-E-M-I-A. Euphemia. Yeah. So anyway, I always, I whenever I go and see one of these interesting churches, I always, because I don't know anything about, I'm not Catholic, I'm not a member of the flock, I don't know any yeah. of this stuff, but I'm interested in it. So whenever I see one of these churches, I always like to go back and look at the backstory and look at the history and find out what, what happened. So St. Euphemia was martyred in the year 303 and she was for her faith for her christian faith and she was basically like a lot of these people were was uh was thrown to the lions and (laughs) so the rumor goes yeah yeah lovely so the rumor goes i mean hers isn't nearly as gruesome as some of these other saints that you read about that's true they're all they're all gruesome yeah so she gets thrown to the lions and the lions kind of pick at her a little bit and lick her wounds and then they're like get these lions out of here and don't feed them for a week because obviously they're not willing to do their job. They send some bears in. Oh, my God. <laughs> and these bears end up mauling and killing St. Euphemia, and she it becomes a martyred saint for her beliefs. Well, her relics, which means her bones, basically, were stored in a church in Constantinople, Istanbul. Right. At some point, we don't know when, we don't know why, the bones were placed in some kind of sarcophagus and put in the water and floated. We'll have to look at a map and see if this is even possible. But the bones floated down the water and wound up on the sh- uh, washing up on the shore in Rovine. And some peasant boy in Rovine in the year 800 AD, somewhere around there, opens up this box and there's 300-year-old bones of this martyred saint. Which, you know, what, what does it have a label on it? Uh, uh, you yeah. Know. <laughs> so you start, this is, this is my point exactly, Rick, because you start digging into these stories yeah, come and on. they immediately start falling apart. Come on. You're like, okay, how do you know? First of all, bears... Come on, Bears are not going to do anything. <laughs> Have you watched their defense this year? The defense is pretty good. But, but when they go on offense... I mean, they got no offense. Forget it. Yeah. You know, the Bears The Bears are going to overshoot St. Euphemia for 15, by 15 yards. So um, they find these relics on the shore. And there's an existing church up there, but they're like, this is a miracle. They bring the relics up to the church, and now it's not the Church of St. George anymore. Now it's the Church of St. Euphemia. And apparently they still have those relics there. I didn't see them when I went. I saw them. Okay, you saw them. I saw them. Uh, it's right by that uh, Valentino's place that you were talking about. Oh, right? okay. It's like 100 yards away okay. from there. And it's that old church. The remnants of that old church okay. are still there. 
Okay. And you can go in and see the remnants or, or the remains if you want. I did not do that, but I walked by there and saw the sign for it. Okay. And so her her relics are yeah. are there. So when you have a when you have a saint like this, where you have their relics, um, usually you have a feast day that accompanies that saint. Sure, of course. So in because you want to. Uh, you know, have like lion meat in exchange <laughs> or something like that. Yes. So September 16th in Rovine is St. Euphemia Day. And always on these saint days, this is this is why I get interested in this, because food. Okay. <laughs> always on uh, these special holidays, they have a special food that they eat. You know, St. Joseph's Day, you have a zapel. You know, wh- whatever the saint is, you have a special food that you eat associated with them. So on, if you go to Rovine on September 16th for St. Euphemia Day, um, you will eat mutton, gross, sauerkraut, the Croatian version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some German influence down there. And they eat something called a fritule, F-R-I-T-U-L-E. I'm giving an Italian pronunciation. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. But a fritulli or maybe a fritul, it's a Croatian donut. Wow, what a what a interesting combination. Yeah. I'll have some mutton, a donut, and some sauerkraut, right. please. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if you eat them all together. I would hope not. But what they do to make it special is um, the dough of the donut has some rum and some citrus oh, mixed into it. Oh, now we're talking. So now yeah. you got some good stuff. And then you top it. Uh, just on St. Euphemia Day, you chop it with cherries. So wow. I would be down for that, definitely. Yeah, I'm not eating that. mutton. I'm, yeah, I'm not neither. a big sauerkraut person. I know you yeah. probably are a sauerkraut guy. Yeah, I happen to. I'm German. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I could go for the frittuli, um, I think. So. I, you know, did you go to the, did you climb up the stairs to the church too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. It is, but that climb up the stairs a little dangerous right so those are if i remember correctly it's uh wooden staircases it's a wooden staircase and yes. it's to call them rickety would be being generous <laughs> it, it, and each step is like an inch deep so you know walking up those stairs you have to like turn your feet sideways exactly sometimes. exactly so otherwise you know you might be you might be interred next to Saint Euphemia. Yeah, yeah, and one of our people that were on the trip with us has a, a, a extreme fear of heights, <laughs> and he was freaking out going up those stairs. I'll bet. Yeah. So if you've got a fear of heights, I wouldn't recommend it. But it is an unbelievable view. It is. Did you make it out to any of the? Uh, you said you went on a sunset cruise. Did you go to any of the nearby islands like um, Katarina's Island? We didn't stop at any of the islands. We just uh, went by them. Went by them and saw them. Yeah. So if you go to Rovine, this is this is something that you can do is go out to St. Andrews or uh, Katerina Island. And uh, they have nice beaches there. Um, it's also nice to go for a hike there. They've got woods and, and things like that. And there's little, it's a short little ferry ride over there. It only takes a few minutes. And if, you know, if you're getting bored in Rovine, and I don't see how you could. I don't either. But, you know, you can go over to St. Andrews or, or Katerina Island. It's a, it's a nice little. You know, you're talking about the festivals uh, for, you know, the saint feasts. There was some sort of thing, and we were there in May. Okay. And maybe we'll have to look up what this was. But they had a like a marching band competition. Awesome. Where uh, little villages, and I was asking people about it, all the little villages around there all sent their marching bands 
to ravine and they came up and down the streets and there i there were like 30 marching bands who all played the the Croatian national anthem or the Ravine song or I don't know what. Right. Um, but they all had their different versions of it. And then at, at the end, they started doing Blues Brothers stuff, oh. <laughs> which I thought was awesome. <laughs> I mean, it really was a spectacle. They all had different color costumes, and they were walking up and down, you know, like like uh, uh, Sousa uh-huh. costumes, you know, like yeah, yeah. old... Uh, old time. Like, like mil- military sort of looks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was super entertaining. Oh, yeah. And you never know when you're going to wind up in the middle of one of these things. Right. We just got back from uh, Dublin, and I'll be doing an episode on Dublin coming up here soon. And the day we flew in, just by chance, happened to be the final of the uh, Gaelic football championship. Okay. And Dublin was going for their fifth victory in a row, fifth year in a row they were going for it. We went to, we had no idea any of this was happening, but we knew where we wanted to go to get some Guinness. And this thing is, and it was a zoo. It was unbelievable. And I thought, I know nothing about Gaelic football. Right. I I mean, I know American football. I know maybe a, a, a tiny bit about rugby. A couple of Guinnesses, I'm turning to the guy next to me. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm the stupid American. Can you explain what the heck is going on here? <laughs> right, because you're not talking about football, soccer, football. No, no, You're talking about a different sport entirely. Gaelic football is kind of, if you had to call it anything, it's kind of a combination between, there's a little soccer in it, there's a little American football in it, there's a little rugby in it, and guys smashing each other and <laughs> yeah. kicking kicking the ball, and it's it's nuts. So by the end of it, Karen and I were getting into it, and we're starting to understand it, and we're like, okay, so they get down to the end, and it's like, tie game. I'm like, oh, tie game. This is going to be great. We're going to go into sudden death overtime. Yeah, no. or, and no. I said, okay, so when, when, do, when they go into the locker room, when do they come out and, and play? He's like, uh, in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> we, we replay another match from the very beginning. I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I got to sit here for, t- I'm not going to be here in two weeks. But I'll tell you, afterwards, going out to the bars in uh, Dublin afterwards was, you would never know one team won or one team lost or they tied. Yeah. It was an unbelievable party. So the thing that I really love about Rovine is the cafe culture. Yes. Because they've got all those, that, that big square there yep. right in the middle and there's cafes lining either side of that yeah um talk about sitting in those cafes and uh and and what you enjoyed about that so you know not only uh cafes where you eat lunch or or dinner or whatever but also breakfast so we went down there every day for fresh pastries and we uh, you know uh we were 100 yards away from that we walked down there we we sat uh along the water and we'd have these unbelievable chocolate chip croissants yeah. that were just amazing and hot off the presses you know right, right. <laughs> just delicious with coffee you know with a a, a swallow of coffee a I little call espresso it. yeah <laughs> um that's the one thing i miss throughout all of europe is coffee i I drink a lot of real coffee yeah you know and americano you got you got your mug right here on the I table too. and yeah. it's you know a big mug yes american size mug yes filled with like a tankard right ready to ready to rock right gluttonous american approach to <laughs> to the typical you know typical american approach however i do like espresso too especially in the morning 
with the with the pastry. And if you're looking at the beautiful uh, views while you're having your croissant, it's ah, fantastic. I'm not a coffee drinker, yeah. But when I go to Europe, I consume espresso like never before yeah. you know i love going in and spend you know and it costs a euro you True. know it costs a euro True. you get an espresso boom you slam it down and you you go to these places and you see the same people over and over again and you get, you get to be friendly with them and uh that square i wish i could remember the square i'll have to look it up i'll put it in the show notes afterwards there are great little coffee places to get your uh oh, yeah. espresso and the view is unbelievable yeah because you know first of all the architecture and then you're looking out over the water but for me the best part of it is the people watching yeah <laughs> the a, a lot of the people in rovine the croatians they are very fashion conscious they remind me of the italians that way yeah that's true and i remember one time we were sitting in one of those cafes right in that square and uh, these two women were sitting, uh, enjoying a smoke and a espresso. And was one woman, and she looked like she could have been out of a fashion magazine. You know, she had the 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 perfect straight hair and the big sunglasses and the boots and everything. And she had this little yappy frou frou dog. <laughs> and I see her on her phone. You know, she's on her phone for several minutes. And after a while, she'd apparently been calling her boyfriend. Her boyfriend comes over, and he's this big muscle bound guy you know shaved head yeah. you know just huge muscles and everything kind of like and, me yeah exactly yeah. you know yeah. reminded me i said rick you're back in yeah. croatia no man was a different guy and and so i see them having a conversation and it you know she's telling she's obviously telling him something and you can see that he's you know, his shoulders are beginning to slump and he's kind of getting broken down a little bit by his girlfriend but he knows so he makes her take this little frou-frou dog, this big muscle-bound guy makes Arnold Schwarzenegger look like you or me, takes this little frou-frou dog for a walk, and he's like holding the <laughs> leash between his finger, his forefinger and his thumb, taking this little frou-frou. There's nothing more humiliating. And you can tell, he just is absolutely <laughs> been emasculated. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, you know, we went to uh, talk about the cafes, but they also have these bars at night that are just rooms. They're not, I mean, they... They don't do anything to try to make it look like a pub or anything. They're just they're just rooms, and and this is where the locals go. And we were and staying in a you know a, an apartment, so we walked down to the corner and and went to the bar, and it was they were playing music on the jukebox, which could be the worst music ever made. <laughs> it it was just horrible music, like Euro disco or something. Oh, or? even worse. It was like Euro disco with a Bulgarian flair, you know. <laughs> and and so we would order a drink and I, and I'd kept I, the first time I'd go up there and I ordered an Ojushko, they looked at me like, "What are you talking about?" But they knew what I was talking about. Right. They're just kind of being jags. To me. <laughs> um, but then by the second or third one, I'd come up and now and now they're being friendly to me and by the end of the night, you know, we were holding court and there were, you know, I think like 10 uh, Croatians around us and they yeah. were asking us about America and they all spoke English. And yeah. it, it was a great time. And it's true. This this happens all the time when you go into a Croatian bar. It's like going into a pub in, in Dublin. It's fresh in my mind. So I'm, I'm relating to Dublin. But you will have these conversations with people. And I, I, I feel bad for, for pumping my book again. But there is... 
uh, in the book yeah. when uh, when the main character goes to uh, the capital of Croatia, this is what it's based on: is going into a pub. You don't know, but. Then after a couple of grappas, you get invited over yeah. and you're best friends with these people. Yes. And I still remember Vonda, you know, she was one of my favorite <laughs> people. She was so much fun and we just had a blast and they kept buying us grappa and we were just like, please. And Karen's like discreetly dumping her grappa into the, into the plant next to the bar because That's it's funny. like, come on after all these. So it's true. You go into these places and they may be a little standoffish at first, but you have a couple of grappas, you will make friends, I guarantee it. By the end of the night, uh, I was making fun of the youngsters that were there. They were like, you know, 20-somethings. They were the ones picking this horrible music. And each time they picked the music, I'd go to the guys next to me like, is there anything worse than that? I mean, <laughs> is there anything at all that is listenable? I mean, this music is horrible. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rick, did we leave anything out talking about Rovine? Uh, yeah, I, there's one restaurant that I wanted to mention, and that is, uh, I'm going to put my glasses on for this because sure. I had sure, to go ahead. it down. Uh, Taverna de Amicus. D'Amicus. Did you go to that one? No, I, I'm not familiar. All right, it's on a side street off the main square. It's actually near the Valentino's place that you're talking about, okay. Valentino's. Valentino. Va- Valentino's, I believe. Valentino's. We'll put that um, in the show notes as well. All right, it's right down the street from it. Uh, incredible seafood, and the, and the wait staff there. Super entertaining, uh, really friendly, um, and giant portions of just tremendous food. Okay. That's my recommendation. There you go. So there's Rick's recommendations. So, Rick, I, you know, I'm, first of all, I'm so happy that you and your wife, Bridget, and your friends that you went with had a good time in Ravine. We did. I'm especially happy that they, uh, read my book. They, and they all enjoyed it. (laughs) And, um, you know, I think this is another recommendation for Rovine. It's really one of my favorite places uh, to visit in Europe and really uh, shouldn't be missed and is still kind of under the radar to uh, to most Americans. And if you feel like you can't afford to go for fifteen ninety five, you can read all about it in Truffle Hunt at <laughs> All right, very good. Before we let you go, Rick, let's, uh, you know, you, you plugged me about 10 times in this podcast. <laughs> let's talk about your stuff because... You wrote, you're, you've written seven books. I think you co-authored another one. Maybe you're up to eight now. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Your most recent book is called Every Cub Ever. Yes. It's, Talk about this book. The Every Cub Ever was is the best-selling book in the history of our, our uh, a publishing company. Uh, it sold like crazy until about two weeks ago. Hmm. I wonder why. I'm not sure why. It just fell off the face of the earth about two weeks ago. People stopped buying it. Uh, But it'll be back again for Christmas when when renewed hope comes in and (laughs) we wait till next year. (laughs) But it's literally a a book about every single player that ever played for the Chicago Cubs going back to 1871. When they weren't even called the Cubs. Right. They were the white stockings at that time. Yeah, which is... So get this book. I've read it. I loved it. I even bought a copy for my father. You were kind enough to sign it. He loves it. Everyone who reads this book loves it. Where to go to get it? Eckhartspress.com or everycubever.com. And um, the thing that you've been on sort of a media tour with this book. I've seen you on television. I've heard you on the radio. Uh, You talk about it on your podcast, much to your (laughs) business partner, Dave Chagrin, who's a White Sox fan. and every time I see you on TV or I hear you on the radio, it amazes me that the guys who are 
uh, hosting that show will always try and trip you up. They because, quiz me. Because you've got, what, 2,000-something yeah, tw- entries? Yeah, 2,196, I believe. 2,196 yeah. entries in this book of everyone who's ever played for the Cubs. And so these smartasses on yeah. TV, on the radio, will be like, <laughs> well, do you remember Hippo Smith who yeah. played in, you know, <laughs> tell me about him. They haven't prepared you for any of this. You no. have to do... You have to have twenty. You have to have an encyclopedic, encyclopedic knowledge of twenty one hundred and ninety six names. So, I'm going to right now. Oh no! Try to trip you up. Oh no! With the most obscure Cubs. Oh I've, I've got no. my notes here. Okay. <laughs> and I, they're dead to me right now. So this and, is going to be hard. <laughs> okay. So this you you probably have never heard of this one, but this guy during his time was a very famous Cub. He was known, I hope I pronounced this name right, Samuel Sosa. <laughs> that one doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> I don't remember that guy. Uh, oh, no. Okay. Oh, uh, there was a corked bat incident, I believe. Okay. But that's all I remember. Um, all right. We'll, we'll give you a pass on that one. Thank you. Um, and then the other one that I wanted to quiz you on was a Ernest banks yeah i i don't really know him I, he was uh we only spoke formally he was mr cub to me <laughs> uh so i don't really know a lot about him. i actually met him several times did you yeah he was, was like the nicest human ever that ever lived one of my favorite stories that you tell is about um your favorite cub and i grew up in Sh- chicago area so i loved the cubs when i was growing up as well and he was one of my favorite cubs um Jose Cardinal. Oh yeah, I love Jose. Jose was great because he was he was a he had a fun personality. Yep. He had a great haircut. Yeah. And talk about the time that you met Jose Cardinal. <laughs> okay. This is a pretty impressive story. Uh, it was at Jewel, which is a local grocery store. Uh, I was there with my two older sons who were young at the time. They were like ten and eight years old. And I looked across the onion section, and there was. A, a, a small man. He's small too. He's like okay, like five eight, tiny guy. Wow. And I like that looks like Jose Cardinal. Now he doesn't have a fro anymore. He's got like normal hair. I thought, mm, you know, I think that's him. So I walked across the onion section, and I went up to him and I and I said to him, and I left my kids over by the oranges, and I said, Mister Cardinal, uh, are you Jose Cardinal? He said, Yes, I am. I said, I am your biggest fan. I can't, I used to go to Cubs games and sit in the bleachers and and uh, cheer for you. You were the right fielder. And you, you were my favorite player. He said, well, then you must, you, you look far too young to have been <laughs> someone watching me play. Right. And so he's even cooler than it seems. Right, right. And... And he's still now. Where is he from originally? So, so this is the other part of the story. He, this is Mount Prospect, Illinois, um, uh, but he's originally Cuban, right? He's and Cuban. it was in the middle of winter. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing here? He said, I still live here. I still love this city. I said, you know, even in the winter, he said, yeah, it's off season. This is where I go. I said, so a Cuban lives in Mount Prospect on purpose <laughs> in the winter, and he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. Oh, that's great. I, I loved Jose Cardinal when I was growing up. Him and uh, Bill Madlock were two of my, and Don yeah. Kessinger were, were, were some of my favorite Cubs. All of them are in the book. And, and they're all in the book <laughs> at cartspress.com, everycubever.com. And listen to Rick on uh, Minutia Men. 
and Free Kicks. Minutia Men's one of my favorite podcasts. Rick, thanks for being on Destination Eat Drink and sharing uh, Rovine with us. And thanks for coming over. Man, I'll tell you, talking to Rick makes me want to go back to Rovine so bad. But it's the ultimate dilemma, right? Do you go back to a place that you've already visited before, or do you go to a whole new place to discover? It's such a hard question, and so little time to travel in such a great big world. Well, next week... I will be traveling to Porto, Portugal, to sample a sandwich called a Francesinja. This thing is a monster, and don't worry, we'll have plenty of Portuguese wine to wash that sandwich down with. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and go to DestinationEatDrink.com. We've got a lot about Porto, Portugal, and the Douro Valley, and Lots more about Rovine, Croatia as well. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Prince of Dublin's Bar and Grill, Ed Silla of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson, and I will see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>